Welcome to the road gig. Welcome to the road gig podcast where we have different comedians and entertainers calling talk about their road gig, how they got to the profession, maybe giving you advice. There we have comedian Jamie Long. I worked with him once, but really funny guy. He has a new comedy special out on Amazon Prime that he's going to be talking about. We pause him, and there he is in a second. Yep, I hear you, man. How's it going? Oh, I'm doing well. That's awesome. Thanks for calling in. And we'll start just going to line up our schedules so things are coming in. Um, so a little bit about the road gig. You talk about different road gig stories, any kind of crazy road gig you might have, um, how you got into comedy, uh, maybe other stuff you're into, and maybe like any advice you might give people. Uh, just first off, I'm going to talk about how maybe how long you've been doing comedy or what got you into kind of comedy, how did you get your start. Yeah. How did you get into comedy? Wow. I started doing comedy back in 94 the first time. Um, okay. I actually, I actually got put on a talent show by a friend of mine. Cool. And um, as Did I got my win? start, I actually started digging. Did you win a talent show? No, I came in. Uh, I came in third. Some, uh, okay. some singer and some dancer came in front of me. You know, all of that that shit. You no, know, it was crazy. Um. But no, I ended up coming in third. But the guy who was the host of the talent show, he was an actual comedian. And so he saw me perform and, you know, decided that he wanted to give me a chance to learn how to really be a comedian. So he took me, he started taking me out to open mics with him and, you know, um, you know, kind of showing me the ropes and stuff and taught me how to write, you know, taught me how to craft, uh, craft a good bit and all this stuff like that. So he was really my first exposure to real, you know, to real live comedy other than just, you know, watching it on TV and deciding to get on stage or whatever. What what did you think about the first time you saw the difference? Like, once you saw there was more more to it than most people might think, what did you think? Did that what made you fall in love with it, or did you just Uh, kind of... Initially, initially it made me fall in love with it, and then once I was kind of doing it for a while, it was kind of like, you know, you start seeing the reality of it. I mean, like, when I got on stage, I was 20. The first time I ever walked on stage, I was 22 years old, 1994. Yeah. So, you know, you're 22 years old and you're, you know, you're, you know, you're thinking like, oh, I'm funny. You know, I'm going to, you know, tell some jokes. I'm going to blow up and be famous <laughs> for telling jokes. Yep. And that yep. was the, you know, that, that's how we go into it, you know, especially when, you, when you're 22 years old. So I had this you know, huge misconception about just what it took to be successful in the comedy game. Like I, like I never really equated the comedy game to Hollywood for whatever reason at 22 years old, it still didn't dawn on me that the comedy game was attached to Hollywood the way it is. And so, you know, you got to go through all that, you know what I'm saying? I mean, especially depending on, you know, depending on what you want to do with it, you know what I'm saying? But our, our first, our first idea of comedy is that we're going to be, you know, on TV or we're going to be filling up, you know, stadiums and arenas and, and, and clubs and stuff like that or whatever. So that's how we attack it. You know, that's how we, you know, that's how we think about it at first. 
and uh, I took 15 years off. In 1998, I got off stage after four years of being on stage, three and a half years, actually. And then I got off stage in 98. I came back in 2013. So this is actually my second time doing comedy. And did now you know that it was different? Or did you just do the same material you had? And just, what did you well, know oh, taking yeah. that to take a break? Um, yeah, the material was different. You know, obviously, by the time I got back on stage in 2013, like I said, I was 20. 26 when I walked off stage the first time in 1998 and I came back in 2013. So now I'm 41 years old, you know, 15 years later. So now I have a whole different perspective on, you know, on life. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't bright eyed and bushy tailed anymore. You know, I wasn't, you know, my eyes weren't clouded by, you know, rose colored glasses where I thought everything was just going to fall into place for me or whatever. Um, I had been through, you know, most of my adult life or at least, you know, 15 years of my adult life at that point and the learning years, you know, from my mid-20s to my early 40s where you're learning everything, where you're learning that, you know, you ain't really shit, you know what I'm saying? Like you, (laughs) you know, like you're just regular, you know what I'm saying? Like you're just a regular person in the grand scheme of the world. And um, yeah. So once that reality hit me, it was kind of like, oh, wow. So that's what I bought back to the stage was that reality. I bought back the reality of, you know, having children, being married, you know, and just realize, you know, just and just being, you know, like I, I, I call myself an everyday dude. That's my moniker when I'm on stage and when I'm, you know, whatever. It's because like, most of us are. Most of us are just reg- we're, we're just regular everyday dudes. No matter what you do, yeah. you know, you could be – famous, you could be whatever, you still got to take the trash out at your house. You know what I'm saying? Like, everybody else, <laughs> exactly. you know, everybody else might see you as just this guy, like, oh, my gosh, he's, you know, he's so funny. He's telling jokes on stage, whatever. But when your wife say, hey, babe, can you take the trash out? You're going to take that damn trash out, you know? So that's mm-hmm. what that's what it's about. And, and no matter what happens with me, my goal is just to be a regular, everyday guy. I never want to get to the point to where I forget that, you know, I'm just an everyday dude. I'm just a dude that just wakes up every day and tries to figure out how to navigate, you know, from the time I wake up to the time I go to sleep. Yeah, and I noticed when you um, have material kind of like that, very relatable to people. And that's kind of yeah. like yeah, I, I, uh, popular now. Um, a lot of comedians who are kind of like have a bigger um, pompous attitude about themselves or want to be actors. Sometimes it comes off on stage as part of their material and their kind of overall delivery, and sometimes it doesn't work, especially like on the road with, with in small towns. But people kind of pick up on you. Don't feel like you're a regular dude. Like kind of oh, yeah. under, you got to give yeah, off a big city vibe. You know? Yeah, and that's the thing, man. I mean, you know, I I grew up in Philly, you know, so I grew up in a big city, and but I also spent a lot of time in the south. So my the majority of my you know my formidable years high school years and everything like that were spent in the south. So you know I I have this big city upbringing, but this southern humility. You know what I'm saying my my humbleness yeah. and my you know it comes from living in the south and seeing the things that I saw when I was down there. You know I moved to the south in 1985, 1984, and there was still heavy racism down there. So I went from living in Philly where, you know, it's pretty much everybody loves everybody, you know, whatever, whatever, to move into a place where, 
they were still burning crosses in people's front yards, and this was in 1985. You know, so again, uh, just just that, just being able to see all that just kind of gave me a, you know, a different perspective on just life in general that I took with me. Then I joined the Marine Corps. So now, you know, I'm in the military. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, fighting for my country, blah, blah, whatever. I, I got to see, you know, a little bit of, uh, you know, a little bit of uh, battle, you Good. know, in Desert Storm or whatever. Mm-hmm. And um, Well, thank you again. Well, thank you for your service. Um, I know yeah. a lot of comedians, um, not a lot, but I noticed uh, a lot of comics or veterans that have done comedy. Is that is that something that you think affected your comedy or like maybe um, is that kind of um, did, did being in the military at all affect how you um, approach comedy or uh, um, kind of you know what? I, like? I think it does. I, I think it did. I think my my comedy approach is kind of straightforward. You know what I mean? Like I'm a I'm a I'm a decent writer. But I'm not a guy that's going to wow you with a lot of, you know, wordplay and, and you, know, you know, backing into a bit or anything like that. You know, I'm pretty straightforward. And I, and I think that did come from the military. It's like, here's the, you know, here's the joke, you know, here's the punchline. And, 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 I mean, you know, and sometimes I'll steer you in one direction and then bring you back and finish you off in another direction. But I think just my approach to comedy definitely came from, you know, being in the Marine Corps. Yeah, like traveling a lot, meeting a lot of people. Um, sometimes I guess the direct approach is a, a better way to relate to more more people around the, the country. Exactly. Um, some areas might not want to hear as much wordplay. Word, word um, being direct, most of the time it works everywhere. Um, yeah. Do you have any? Exactly. Uh, you traveled a lot for the military, of course. Have you traveled a lot for sound comedy? Um, I have more recently. My first, uh, my first couple of years, I didn't do a whole lot of traveling. But in the last, but in the last few years, I actually have been doing a lot more traveling for comedy than what I used to do. So, um, so I'm just starting to build up those, uh, those road stories. You know. Um, awesome. Well, yeah. I'm, I'm glad I can have you on my my podcast about road stories. So, hope you have at least uh, something to talk about. I'm just joking. Do you have any? <laughs> so you started on the road. Do you have any any anything weird that happened or any kind of story that you might, you know, bust out uh, when you're talking to some newer comics? But road stories. Any uh, funny road story? One of the one of the one of the weirdest road stories that I have is um, I did this show. Uh, down south one time, and um, okay. I won't I won't say what I won't say what city I was in. You know, just I did a show down south. Um, I'm a comedian. So I'm gonna ask who books that. Who, who books it? <laughs> that's all. I, that's the only thing I talk to comics about. Is who books that? Who does it? I never exactly. say like, hey, how's it going? I'm always like, hey, who books it? Uh, there, there were these. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I did this show. Um, very, very, you know, nice room, you know, whatever. And the, you know, the comic, the, 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 uh, the guy who put the show on, you know, he paid me well, mm-hmm. he bought me, you know, bought me out, you know, paid me half my money before I even got there. You know, then I cool. got there as soon as I walked in, he had my, you know, the other half of my money ready for me. I mean, everything was cool. just professional done, done exactly the way it's supposed to be. If you're a promoter of a show, 
um, we do the show, show's over, and we were still hanging out in the venue. The venue itself was kind of like a bar-type, you know, situation or whatever with a back room that held about 150 people or whatever. And, again, he fills this room up. So the room is packed. Like, damn near every seat in the room is packed. It's a great crowd, great show. We come off stage, and then everybody goes into the lounge portion, the, the lounge area of this of this venue, you know, the bar the bar area. Yeah. So now everybody's on in the bar, on the dance floor, you know, partying, whatever the case may be. Um, you know, I got to leave the next morning, but, you know, I'm going to have some fun. I had a whole bunch of people who wanted to talk to me and take pictures with me, and, you know, I'm signing, you know, I'm signing napkins and, and T-shirts and shit. Like, it's, it's <laughs> wild. Like, they basically treat me like, they treat me like I'm celebrity, like I'm like I'm celebrity. Yep. So these two girls are talking to me, and they basically want to take me back to their room. And so the guy sitting next to me pulls me to the side, and he goes, "Bro, uh-huh. I'm like I'm about to drink. I'm about to drink my drink. I literally have my drink sitting on the table, and you know I got a vodka. Uh-huh. You know vodka tonic is my drink, so I got a vodka tonic sitting on the table." The guy sitting next to me says, bro, let me holler at you real quick. And he pulled me to the side. He said, don't drink that Mm -hmm. drink. I was like, what are you talking about? He said, I just saw one of them put something in your drink. Wow. So these two girls were going to do whatever to me, whether it was try to take my money, you know, or whatever they were trying to do to me. They're going to rob you. They roofied my drink. Two two chicks, yeah. two two good looking chicks, like you know, just roofie my fucking drink, man. And uh, that's the wildest thing that's ever happened to me on the road was almost getting roofied. Yeah, it was crazy. That's crazy. So the thing that didn't happen. Yeah, I I don't have have a story like that. Um, I guess I never get um, approached by women trying to roofie me to rob me because they could tell I have no money. So that keeps me safe. <laughs> I heard that. Yeah. <laughs> no, but it's true. Um, I experienced a little bit of, a, of that feeling where in your area you don't feel like you're a big shot or nothing like that. You're just a, a regular comedian. But you might go to a small town in another state, and but they see you like you're a rock star or something. It's like a super yeah. weird well, that's, I mean, that's like when we, uh, when you, when you, uh, when you brought me out to uh, Bakersfield, that was an amazing show, you know. I mean, yeah. and they treated us, they treated us like we were celebrities after the show. What's, what's the part that uh, you've gone? What was that? Oh yeah, yeah. What do you think of Bakersfield? I remember that show. That's the only show we did. Yeah, what do you was, think uh, about that show? No, the show itself was amazing. The show was, you know, I mean, I've been to Bakersfield plenty of times, but um, that show in particular was amazing. And like I said before, the crowd was amazing. You know, afterwards, I ended up hanging out with a with a bunch of them over at, you know, at the bar down the street. We ended up going over to the bar down the street and having some drinks and stuff. So um, it was a nice, it was a very nice crowd, man. Very nice. I really appreciate it. And now you're based out of Vegas, right? I'm in Vegas now. Yeah. Um. How's the scene there compared to? Because you know, I, I'm, I'm not from the Vegas scene. I've been to LA. I went to Vegas one time. Um, does Vegas have like a, a diverse comedy crowd? Like, does, does it prepare you for a road, um, or, or does Vegas have their own crowd? 
Vegas has their own crowd. Vegas is a tourist city. So most times in Vegas you're getting, you know, uh, the local scene is not as, you know, as, as uh, supported as it should be, you know, and that's because Vegas, you know, has so much transition. People come in and out of Vegas all the time. It's not really a city where you can kind of, you know, I mean, you can, you can, you can put some roots down and stuff, but because there's so much going on in Vegas and everything is about the lights and, you know, residencies and all this stuff like that, it's really hard on the local scene to have a, you know, to have a following, you know, there's, there's some, there's some really good comedians out here who, um, you know, I personally just don't think get the credit they deserve because, you know, the way the city is set up, the way that, you know, like I said before, the way people navigate in this city, uh, it's, it's, I think it's a difficult draw locally to be a celebrity in this city, or to, or I should say not even a celebrity, but just to be an entertainer in this city, it's very tough. You know, I, I mean, I've been here four years. Yeah? No, I was it, saying I've been here four be, years, and I've... Have you noticed that? Go ahead. Sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Um, I think it's harder to be an uh, entertainer in a big city full of entertainers. I mean, he's become exactly. like, like a regular job, like, you know, being an office worker or, uh, you know, a waiter or, you know, it's so many that you don't really stand out. So they, they don't treat you like yeah. a big deal. They treat you like any other working person. Exactly. I mean, there's, there's, you know, there's literally, you know, whenever I introduce myself as a comedian and it's, you know, I mean, I, and, and I'm not, obviously I'm not famous or anything like that, you know, but. I am pretty well known in the city. You know, I mean, I've actually built up a nice little fan base over the last four years of being here. But even when I meet newer people who don't know me, it's almost like I have to kind of prove myself to them. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, are you funny? Are you whatever, whatever, you know? And it's just, and it's, and it's like, like you said, they look down on you like you are, you know, like, like, like you're working, you know, like, like you're picking up the trash out of their front yard or something. It's a it's a weird it's a weird dynamic. It really is. Yeah, it's so weird. You feel, you you feel like a nobody, but then like I was saying, like you went to a small town now, finally like a big shot, just because there's yeah, so little exactly. comedy, and you you know if you work at it, you're at a high level, so they see you, and to them you're just as funny or funnier than the people they see on TV, and they'll comment, they'll make comments like, oh, you should be on TV or or something like that, and you're like, you know, you, you feel grateful. But sometimes you think, like, are they, uh, do they think I'm really funny, or is it just because they never see comedy? Like, right? You gotta like, yeah, kind of like sometimes humble yourself because oh, if you get a big head. Um, yeah. Well, I think that I, I think the thing in Vegas is that, um, again, and I think you, I think you were, you were saying this earlier, or just a few minutes, just a few seconds ago. I think the thing mm-hmm. is when you live in a big city like L.A., like New York, like Las Vegas, like yeah. you know, even Philly or Dallas or you know Miami or whatever, Chicago, you're you're so used to seeing high-level talent that, you know, a guy, you know, guys like us who are still trying to make it, you know, they're, we, you know, they get to see people who are on TV every day or, or who have been on TV if you're in Vegas. You know, you get these guys who, who were famous at one point or, you know, whatever, and they're still, they still have a draw, but now they're doing residencies or whatever. And so, but they're still, you know, they're still living off of that fame that they had 10 years ago, 15 years ago, whatever it is. 
as opposed to when you go to these smaller cities, and, and people are used to seeing that in cities like that, in cities like Philly, San Francisco, L.A., you know, uh, Vegas, New York, whatever. But when you go to a little city like Austin, Texas, you know, I mean, they're not used to seeing, you know, and they appreciate you more. Whereas out here it's almost like, oh, you got to, you know, you got to, you know, you could be funny, but it's almost like, mm, you know, you're not famous yet, so we're not, we don't care. You know, yeah, a lot of, a lot of um, comedians don't, not comedians, but the general audience uh, kind of don't understand that to be a working comedian, sometimes you have to have a draw, but it could also just be funny, have good recommendations and all that. It's tough. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, there's a there's a lot of um there's a lot of uh who you know in this game. You know, I mean I I think I think and I tell people this all the time. Comedy comedy is li- is literally thirty percent funny. It's thirty percent being funny and, and, and you know, being being really funny. That's thirty percent of it. Fifty percent of it is who you know and then twenty percent of it is how much ass are you willing to kiss. That Yep. That's what I feel is the percentages when it comes to comedy. It's like be funny, meet the right people, and then decide how much ass you want to kiss, how much you want to have somebody be able to say, oh, yeah, I made his career or I made or I put him where he is right now, you know. Yeah, and I, a, I mean, I could be wrong, part. but. That's the tough part, the, the, the kissing up to people. That's the toughest yeah. part for people to get over. I, I'm still having, I'm done. I, I have trouble with that. But um, you know, there's people out there who they get by because of who they know. Um, you, know yeah. you, you, you have to be funny, of course. They're not gonna help you out. If you're not funny, to make them look bad. So why would they do that? Um, like you even said that the person who helped you out was somebody who saw you, so they kind of took you around, which is good. So is that a cat I'm hearing, Rebecca? Yeah, that's that's my cat, man. Sorry about that. Uh, no, 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 that's fine. I, I, I I'm a cat person, also. Um, you decided to wait till I got of, on the phone uh, and start uh, talking. All right, that's fine, dude. Um, uh, speaking of kind of like cats, do you kind of like you say you're a family man? Do you try to write family man material, or do you just write whatever you want to write about? Or is it like you're trying to be more relatable to people? Like, no, you know what, man? I I honestly never even consider what I write. I mean, there's certain subjects I won't touch. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't do politics. You know, yeah. uh, I will never talk about politics, and I never talk about religion. Those are the two. There's those are two topics that I don't care whether I'm on stage or off stage. I never touch those topics. I mean, I I vote. I follow politics to the point of knowing who to vote for, or at least taking a shot of you know, getting it right as far as who to vote for and stuff. Um, but I don't talk about it. What I talk about on stage is legit, you know, it's legitimately what's going on in my life at any given time. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you know, I'll watch, you know, I watch social media. I watch my friends and the stuff that they go through in their relationships and, and the stuff I go through in my own relationships. You know, my stories about my kids are all organic. You know what I mean? I I, I tell true stories about my children. Like these, like they're legit things that go on. And then I just, you know, you know, at, when they happen, it might piss me off or it might, you know, not, you know, go well or whatever. But at some point, I find a way to make it, you know, funny. And 
I think it's just relatable because we all, you know what I mean, if you got kids, we all have, you know, none of our kids are perfect. You know, hell, we aren't perfect, you know what I'm saying? So I tell yeah. these stories and everybody can relate because if you have children or you've ever been, even if you've just been around children, if you're an uncle, if you're a, if you're an aunt, if you're a cousin, if, you know, if, you've, if you've been around children, you get it. You know what I'm saying? You understand the things that I'm talking about are just, you know, things that, you know, that, that children do that piss you off or that make you laugh or whatever it is. So I just try to yeah. tell the stories that, you know, that I think that, well, I, t- I tell the stories that matter to me. Like I never consider whether or not the audience is going to like this story or not. I literally tell the story because to me it matters. And then I hope that it matters to whoever's listening. So eventually you just tell stories you want to tell and then you'll know. Um, yeah. Eke out whatever's funny about it, you know. Yeah. What people think is funny. I mean, you know, and and uh, and it's hard. You know what I mean? It's, it's, you don't ever know how it's going to go. You know what I mean? I I remember there's a joke that I tell about my daughter, and the first time I ever had her try an oyster, and the first <laughs> time I told that joke, I mean, you know, it 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 got laughed. You know what I mean? It was a it's a it's yeah. a funny bit, but I remember having this woman come up to me after the show and say, "Oh, well, that's kind of disgusting to to think about your daughter in that sense." And I was like, why would I think about my daughter in that sense? I'm just telling the story about what happened. You know what I'm like? I don't know. Like, people get offended for for anything. It could be 100%. You think everything's fine. You could wait it out and like, yeah. get it as unoffensive as you possibly think. You go out of your way to make it unoffensive. Somebody's still going to get yeah. offended. Right. And that's, and that's like, what you, you got to get out of the habit of. You know, you get a lot of comedians who try to write for an audience, you know, or they try to, you know, I mean, there's there's certain things that are just flat out offensive. Like I said before, there's certain topics I just won't touch because they're just offensive no matter how you try to go. If you can pull it off, great. But there's not a lot of guys that can pull off a good, you know, like, like you know, and, and this is going to be probably a little bit contradictory, but, you know, like, like, I only know one comedian, maybe two comedians that I've ever heard tell a solid rape joke. You know, I would never try to tell a rape joke because I know that it wouldn't go well. I have a joke I tell about domestic violence. I have a very funny bit that I tell about domestic violence, and it's fucking hilarious if if I say so myself. But, again, I'm really mindful about how many times I tell that joke. I literally have only told the joke maybe five times. But every time I've told it, people understand the point I'm trying to make by calling out people who, you know, who, uh, who, uh, you know, don't, you know, who are domestic violence, you know, guys who perform these acts or whatever against women or whatever, I'm calling them out. But again, if you just heard the joke and didn't really understand what I was talking about, you would take it the wrong way. And it has been taken the wrong way. I've literally had women come up to me after a show and go, oh, well, why would you tell that joke about domestic violence? And I'm like, well, did you actually hear the joke or did you just hear me say domestic violence? Because exactly. a lot of times people get triggered. People just get triggered by words. They don't even hear the joke. They yeah. Hear, you know, I, they hear. I, I have jokes about, you know, dating. I used to have jokes about like dating black women. But I'll say the yeah. word black, and they think, oh, he's going to put us down or, or you know, they're going to make fun of black. Like, I'm not. So I just stopped saying those jokes. Be, not because they were offensive. It's because after I said the word, 
they already kind of lost them. So I'm like, they are kind of used. You know, people are maybe it triggered them for other jokes that are offensive to start that are started the same way or something. I don't know. Um, some jokes I just gave up on or don't even try to use. Yeah. Them. I think they're funny, but they don't fit my overall character. If you don't have the character leading into that type of joke. Then you lost them because they don't see you. Then them buy into you to to let you take them in that direction because you know they don't they don't trust you enough to take it into a into a funny way. So they just automatically shut you yeah. down or you know. But um. Yeah, and it's and it's, I mean again, and that's the whole thing. I mean, it's like you you don't even you know you don't even want to hear the joke because you heard one word that made you you know feel a certain way or whatever and now you shut yourself off from even hearing the rest of the joke so the joke might actually be funny but because you heard me say domestic violence or because they heard you say black woman or whatever they automatically feel like oh this is going to be something racist or this is going to be something offensive or this is going to be something you know that i'm not going to like and yeah you know there's so many comedians i mean and that's the beauty i of think what it's do. because you know so many comics do those kind of jokes over and over again that if somebody has a better exactly. twist on that premise, they don't want to hear it because it's been already run through the ground already. So it's yeah. almost like, because yeah. I'm Mexican, I'll even bring up sometimes a Mexican joke. Even that, they're already rolling their eyes. Even before I even get anything out, they're like, ah, oh, here you go, George Lopez again, one of these, or, or something like that. And like, I forget it. Yeah. Um, they, some people just hear it so much. Yeah, and that's and that's the thing that I, you know, I, I always say that about black comedians. You know, every black comedian, you know, urban urban comedian always has to talk about EBT. You know, they always have to talk about about, about know, what uh, EBT. You know, like the like the you know the uh, food stamps and stuff. You know, the card the card. You know, whatever. Um, so it's that. Yeah, and then I was it's, just you know, thinking they, about they always... another another joke. I don't know if this is my re- about people having ugly feet or smelly feet or women having ugly ugly feet. Yeah. I noticed that being like a a, a black comedy trope, I guess. Yeah. Same well, they talk like about Latinos, weave. You like... know, weave. Exactly. Weave is a Latinos very popular like... black topic. Yeah, Latinos um, have like. Of imitations of, of their mom's accent, or they have yeah. like you know, you know how girls and then they imitate like a woman's voice or something. You know the the act outs are kind of similar, but the similar stuff. A very did, did you find yourself kind of being different than most comedians, uh, black comedians, or the black comedy scene, or did you just do your own thing and you're funny and nobody cares? You don't, you don't, I just the, did my own the, Well, no, I, I mean, I've heard, you know, I mean, like over the, when I first came back on stage in 2013, I had a lot of that. When I first walked back on stage in 2013, I remember having a lot of, um, there were a lot of people who didn't understand me. You know what I mean? It was kind of like, yeah, because they got, you know, because we're so used to having our comedy given to us in a certain way, you know, it's, it's loud, it's, it's, it's obnoxious, it's, you know, it's, it's jumping around on the stage and it's, you know, yeah. and it's, you know, a lot, a lot of, a lot of cursing and a lot of, you know, a lot of, you know, whatever. So, uh, you know, that's what, that's what a lot of us are used to. And when I say a lot of us, I mean, black people, you know, 
we're yeah. we're just used to we're used to our comedians being that way. You know, whether it's you know, and no and no knock on these guys, you know, but just you know, you well, I, I, there was a show called there was a show called yeah. Comic View back in the nineties. And yeah. uh Comic View, in my opinion, really kind of set us back as comedians uh, a lot, you know, because we were just starting to kind of come into a more conscious state, but then it was like, oh, well, we only want to see this on TV. We only want you to coon on TV. We only want you to, you know, whatever. And so I came back in 2013 and decided that I was going to be who I was. I wasn't trying to be anybody else. I wasn't trying to be, you know, some uh, any other comedian but me. And, uh, and my approach to comedy is just what it is. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's not, you know, I mean, I'm, 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 you know, I'm well-schooled. Uh, you know, I went to college. I was, uh, I served in the military. You know, I've worked in corporate America for 20 years. So my, you know, my perspective is, again, it's more from a regular everyday life perspective where I go to work every day. I wake up every day and I walk into corporate America and have to deal with white America, you know, and, you know, I've, I've been married, you know, I've been, you know, I've had all these different experiences. I served, again, I served in the military. So I've had all these different experiences that are just outside of the norm for most, you know, most black guys. And so I don't have the same approach to life in general. And I'm not taking anything away from them. I'm not knocking them at all. I'm just saying my, you know, I grew up in the hood. I grew up in the hood. Mm-hmm. I had the same struggles in the hood, but I, but now that's not my life anymore. And I can still relay those stories from back then, but they don't, you know, they're not my life right now. So it's a, it's kind of a, I'm, 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 you know, I've always kind of been in a, in a tough place as far as my comedy, because it's trying to get, you know, my own people to relate to it, as opposed to thinking that we always got to do the same thing. It's okay to be, you know, it's okay to just be regular. You know, it's okay to to go to work every day. It's okay to, you know, to to work in corporate America and and have stories to tell about that and and you know talk about our kids and you know I mean I I'm amazed that sometimes when I do talk about my kids in a black room how they just kind of check out on me like oh well you know I know all y'all got kids you know I know most of y'all have children why is it that y'all feel like we can't talk about it you know so it's it's a lot of it's a lot of gray area still to what you feel sometimes your topic. Sometimes you think your your topics in some of the rooms you're doing come off as well they're not they're not raunchy or you know it's it's like clean comedy or like they they start thinking like oh it's gonna be some clean boring comedy or oh without a doubt you think kind of oh, yeah. you, them? you know whenever whenever I walk into a room and I'm getting better about it now but when I first got back on stage six years ago that was a balance for me was trying to learn how to play both sides of the and, – and we're the only comedians who have to do that. Yeah, and I, I think I think Hispanic comedians probably have to do that too. You know what I'm saying? Like when you when you walk into a Hispanic room, you're almost expected to do, you know, George Lopez or, you know uh, – uh, Yeah, you know, um, I used to the, do the, the, the Latino rooms in L.A., and I noticed that a yeah. lot of my clever jokes. So I would, I would skip those and just do – not not cuss more, but I just have more of a different um, vibe or um, demeanor. So I would just have to cuss yeah. more, like while I was just talking. You know. Yeah. Same thing with same thing with me walking into a black room. When I walk into a black room, I almost have to have a totally different swag. Like I have to yeah. have a totally different attitude. You know, and that's and that's what it boils down to. Black people 
and Hispanic people, you know, they want you to have a certain, you know, for, for you guys, it's machismo, you know what I'm saying? It's machismo, you know, yeah. and for us, it's swag, you know, so you, they want you yeah. to walk in the room and, and have like almost a chip on your shoulder. Like, you know, like, like, fuck y'all, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, like, I'm going to say what I want to say and y'all going to have to just eat this shit, you know? And yeah. so I had to learn that because I didn't really have that when I first got back on stage. I had it in my regular everyday life, but I didn't have it on stage. Then I had to kind of go through a couple of those experiences where black rooms weren't really feeling me and then kind of go, oh, you know what? You know, and I had a comedian come to me and say, man, look, you're funny as hell. It's not your material that, that's killing you. It's your attitude. When you walk into these black rooms, you can do the same room. You can do the same material. You just got to have a different – you know, you got to have a different swag on it. So yeah, I once that, I got that, mm, then it was. I've noticed that even, you know, I'm Latino, but even if I go to a black room, I kind of have to do the same thing. Because yeah, usually I'm like, unassuming or like, I don't really care. But same thing with well, some white comics, I've noticed a lot of them will start dancing or they'll, they'll, they'll try to say something right away, but, you know, about them being white, you know, um, kind of break the ice. They kind of have like a more like a fearless attitude when they. Yeah. I, I think I, I feel like, and I've posted this before. I've said this before on social media. I feel like white comics have it the easiest out of all, of out of all comedians. I think, I think white and Asian comedians have it way easier than any other comedian. White comedians I have know the ability that, to walk into a. Yeah. I, I just know that as a Latino comedian, when, comedy in a lot of like Latino rooms. Um, not yeah. LA Latinos but like that I can I couldn't always be as edgy as I wanted to because they would kinda of see it something weird or like not like it or kinda of like kinda of get mad and upset. Like I couldn't certain things I couldn't say. I still had to be kinda of in line with the Latino culture. I couldn't be counter. Yeah. yeah. Dude, there's Latino yeah. comedians that don't or not Latino comedians, but it's very hard for them to be. Um, they don't pass as very Latino because they're maybe their name is shortened or they don't have an accent or, you know, they're not. Yeah. You, you couldn't tell they're Latino the next until they told you. Whereas me, it's like I'm very yeah. obviously Latino by my name. So they kind of already assume. So I can't really be as. I used to be very awkward and this and that, but um, once I just look normal. Um, did you find yourself having to change at all your 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 um delivery or anything like that? You just kind of just do what you, no, you want to do. You know what, man? I, I I can honestly say that um, at first, yes. I you know after I think what happened was um and and I'll I'll tell this story real quick because I think it's okay. important for a lot of comedians to understand this. When I when I initially started doing black rooms, you know, I changed, you know, I, I, I felt like I needed to change a little bit. You know, I was like, okay, I need to change this. I need to change that. And I ended up recording myself at a show one night. I ended up doing this, this room and ended up recording myself uh, performing. And I don't really ever watch myself perform. I hate watching myself perform, but I told myself that I was going to watch this show that night. And I was on stage for like 10 minutes and I hated every single minute of it. And it wasn't that I wasn't funny because I was funny. The crowd was laughing or whatever everything, but and everything else. But I was so out of my own, out of my character, you know. Because even when we're on stage, you know, like 
who I am off stage is pretty much who I am on stage. You know, it's just turned up just a little bit. So I'm the same laid back personality. I'm still pretty chill. You know, I'm still that on stage. It's just turned up just a little bit. So a guy told me a long time ago, you know, your personality off stage is about a seven. When you get on stage, turn it up to about a 12, 13, go past 10. And that will make you seem normal. And it was hard for me to do at first. It was hard for me to turn my personality up to like a 12 or a 13 to look normal to everybody else. You know, cause I used to be real dry on stage. I used to just stand in one spot and just kind of, you know, <laughs> drone it out. Like, you know what I'm saying? It was funny. Yeah. It was, yeah. But it was, but it was just a, you know, and then he was like, no, nah, dude, you got to bring a little bit more, you know, a little bit more, you know, pep to it. And so I was like, cool, I'll turn it up a little bit. And I got used to just turning it up just a little bit. Not so much that I'm out of character, but just enough to make me look normal to people watching me, you know, in the audience. But that particular night that I was talking about, I was way out of character. Like I was way over the top. I was like a, I was like a, like a character, like a character of myself. (laughs) And it pissed me off because that wasn't me at all. Like I literally got so caught up in trying to, you know, be a character for them and, 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 you know, be whatever they wanted me to be that I totally lost myself in that. And I promised myself I would never do it again. So since that particular show, I've never done that again. I've always just been myself and just let the crowd, you know, either like me or not like me. Yeah. Um, do you have any other advice to any other comedians other than, uh, you know, don't, don't – um, I guess some comedians do characters and not them at all, but sometimes they don't care. Like they don't have as much um, – um, well, I, I guess mean, integrity I about are they being a, a character or not, um, are they being themselves yeah. or not? Um, would you, any advice you would give yourself? Yeah, think, like, I may take a big break. Any advice you would have given yourself when you started that you like that you do now? Like, any mistakes you wish you would have gone back and fixed? Um, you know what? I don't think so. I think every I think everything that we do is a learning process. You know what I mean? Like, if I if I had come back on stage, like I've been, I've been back on stage for six years. My first two years was a learning curve. You know, I mean, I was still a good writer. I still knew how to compose. You know, I still knew how to put together a good bit. But I really wasn't, you know, I wasn't polished on stage anymore. My stage presence had taken a big drop, you know. So I had to learn how to get back on stage and perform, you know, and make it look natural. Whereas, you know, um, I had gotten – so used to just reading my material. I would just, you know, I would just get on stage and just read my material, you know, like not, not literally read it, but you know, just yeah. it was just coming off as just me standing there and just, there was no emotion to it. It was just these funny, funny jokes that I had written. And then I started like learning how to... it's, like, it's like, sounds like how I did comedy when I started. It's, it's very uh, similar. Um, yeah. So then I had to start learning how to attach my personality to it. Once I learned how to attach my personality to it, that's when everything changed for me. So I think that, you know, I think the biggest thing, if I was going to, you know, give a lesson, quote, unquote, to any young comedian or any up-and-coming comedian, I would say find your voice and your personality early. Like, you know, and you're going to go through growing pain. You know what I'm saying? I've literally been through three different personalities on stage. You know, I mean, I was the guy who was really deadpan, who used to just stand in one spot, 
and just tell these funny stories and hope that, you know, my writing was strong enough to get them by. Then I was the guy who was almost over the top, you know, who was just, you know, it was too much. And then I found that I found something in the middle. I found where I could still, you know, kind of just be mellow, be, be cool, be, you know, whatever, and then still have the energy to make my stories, you know, pop. So, um, but I think it took me probably up until year four. Uh, my first, yeah, my probably my probably year four was when I finally found my voice. And now for the last two years, I've been back in, you know, I've, I've, I've found my voice. So now I know who I am on stage. I know exactly who I am on stage. When people see me on stage and they go, man, you're so, you know, you're so confident. You're so, you know, poised. You're so, you know, you, you, you know, you're so, uh, you know, you don't let, you don't let things rattle you. You know, you're just, you, you know, you, you do your material, you, you know, you whatever and you, whatever. That's because I know who I am on stage. I'm not trying to be anybody else on stage. When you see guys on stage and they're, you know, one, one minute, they're this personality. And then two minutes later, they're a whole nother personality. Then two minutes later, they're a whole nother personality. Then they somehow manage to come back to the personality that they were when they first started the set. It's like, it's because they don't know who they want to be. You know, they're trying to incorporate all these different comedians, whether they're famous comedians, whether they're comedians that they see at shows and open mics locally or whoever it is, they're still trying to figure out what their voice is. And, you know, so there's so, you know, and we all, I would say that we all take pieces of other comedians and make them our own. You know, I mean, whether it's our writing style, whether it's our delivery, we all have some pieces of other comedians, our favorite comedians that we use to turn up to, to, to bring our own, you know, best comedian out. But at the end of the day, you still have to be your best you. You can't be anybody else on stage. So I would say for any yep. young comedian wanting to be a comedian, find your voice early. But tell stories that matter to you. That's the other thing. If you're not telling stories that matter to you, you're going to seem disingenuous to the audience. The audience is going to be able to see when you're telling stories that don't fit you as a comedian. You know, like when I get on stage, people can hear my stories and go, I can see that guy being that guy. I can see him being that guy. I can see him being that father. I can see him being that person in the relationship, that, that, you know, that boyfriend or husband or whatever. I can see him being that, that guy, you know. But when you get on stage and you're telling stories that don't, when you don't own the stories, when they're not your stories, and pe- people can tell. I believe that people can, lit- can literally look at you or hear you tell stories like your comedy is you, you know, yeah. from what I know about you. And from seeing you on stage, that's who you are. So you're Thank honest you. in that. And people appreciate it because they know that that's you telling the story. If you try to get on stage and tell, you know, some, you know, do anything else, they would probably go, oh, you know what? Fuck that dude. You know what I'm saying? So find your voice, but you find your voice by telling stories that are true to you. And like you said, a lot of comedians, they start off by doing the regular, you know, the, the regular premises that everybody's done over and over again. Those aren't your jokes. They're somebody else's yeah. jokes. Those jokes have been those jokes have been done, you know, ten, fifteen, twenty, a hundred times. Those premises have been so overdone that people already know this isn't his this isn't his life. 
he's just telling this story because he wants to try to make us laugh, and this is the only thing that he can do to make us laugh. He's got to tell this joke, the same joke that I've heard from 10 other Mexican comedians or 10 other black comedians. He's going to tell me the same damn joke because he knows that it's going to make the crowd laugh. Or he feels like he's going to make that's the crowd a, laugh. That's the hardest thing for comedians to. Uh, there are comedians, you know, they might never get over that hump. Uh, it might be called open micers where they don't get past the stand up comedy. It's not always, or most of the time, it's not about jokes. It's not jokey jokes. Like, I'm just telling jokes. You have to have, like, a character, and, like you said, stories that are true to yourself. But there's some comics yeah, that exactly. will spend their whole career just telling jokes, and, like, these are not your jokes. These are not your life. Like if you're just telling jokes to be fun, to, to people to make people laugh at this bar, you know, like yeah, you're not trying and to make it your me. own. Yeah, and that's what I do. Like I said before, I don't I don't have any jokes that I tell. I don't like I tell people all the time. I don't tell jokes. I literally tell my life. You know, I literally talk about the things that happen in my home. You know, dating situations I've been in. You know, uh, you know, being in you know being married and and sharing stories about my marriages sharing stories about my kids or just my general observations on how I feel about certain things. I talk about how I feel about relationships and then I'll intertwine my relationship stories into my perspective on relationships. So now you're getting to see that not only do I feel this way about relationships, but then I tell a story that backs it up and it's like, Oh shit, that's real. You know what I mean? So it's, it's, it's small stuff, but it's stuff that gets you, laughs for one because you become relatable and it also builds you a fan base that's true to you you know when you're just on stage telling jokey jokes that fan base is everybody's fan base who's telling jokes yeah you, you, but you'll, you you'll make stories yeah, you'll get a pat on the back from your comedy friends like oh it's a good joke i like that joke but you won't get like a real fan base that's invested in you like they're like they're, exactly. they're invested in your life not just your jokes you know um, I mean, like, literally uh, people walk up to me and go, man, I love that bit that you do about whatever, because it's my bit. Nobody else is ever going to tell that bit again. You know, exactly. I mean, that that is a bit that I, that it's my bit. You know, like, when I hear, like, I've heard people, I've known of two comedians that have tried to use my jokes. And I know they're my jokes because, again, I don't tell jokes that anybody else is telling. They're my stories, so you can't. Yeah, I try to tell you can't duplicate them. Yeah, I always give advice that it's funnier when you joke about your life, then yeah. you'll be funnier that way. Um, speaking of um, being funnier, you do have a comedy special coming out. I kind of segue into that kind of company, but you have a comedy oh, special man. on Amazon yeah, Prime. Exactly you want to tell people about it? It's already out, man. Yes, it is. Um, it's called Temper Yourself. Um, it's on Amazon Prime. It was filmed live at uh, Blacktop Comedy in Sacramento, and um, yeah, it's it's out now. It's uh, it's getting a lot of getting a lot of views and a lot of love on uh, on social media on uh, Amazon Prime. And um, I, I want to say that I looked at the metrics yesterday. It was released last Saturday. Last Saturday was the nice. first day that it was uh, available to be watched. And uh, I just looked at the metrics uh, last night. I haven't checked them out today, but I looked at them last night. And in five days, was that Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday? Yeah. So in five days, um, 
I am at about 940 views. So um, nice. it's getting a lot of it's getting a lot of buzz. It's getting way more buzz yeah. than what I thought it was going to get. But uh, yeah, I'm gonna on Amazon watch Prime, it myself. Temper yourself. Uh, I'm gonna watch it myself. Um, yeah, oh, yeah. Give it a look, you're saying like, look. What was that? No, I'm saying give it a look. Yeah, I'm gonna watch it. Anybody else hearing? You know, watch it. I'll put the, uh, uh, a link to it on the description. But um, yeah, nowadays kind of like um, the social media, not the social media. Like, there's so many streaming services: Netflix, Amazon Prime. So many ways for people to see comedians now that you don't have to be on TV, yeah. you know, on Comedy Central, you know. Exactly. So I'm pretty sure yeah, after that you can get it. Yeah. What was that? No, I was saying it's always a good thing. It's never a bad thing to not be on Comedy Central, but you don't have to be nowadays. Exactly. Based, you know, based on um, online, so pretty sure after this, you know, things are going to be going. So you'll be famous. You know, you're saying not famous now. I'm pretty sure you're going to be famous soon. Yeah. So... Anything else you got working on any shows? You want? We got like five minutes. I don't know what else you want. Uh, uh, nothing major here? right now, man. I'm uh, I'm just working, you know, to build up my fan base. Uh, I am working on, you know, putting out some skits and sketches and little stuff like that. Um, some of my, I'm actually turning some of my, uh, some of my bits into live sketches. So a lot of the a lot of the bits that I tell about my kids, a lot of the bits that I talk about with relationships and stuff like that, I am actually working on turning some of those into uh, live action sketches. So um, so we'll see how that goes. But um, other than that, I'm just grinding, you know, trying to get in as many clubs as I can, sending out submissions, and you know, trying to uh, you know get booked on you know on shows and stuff, trying to you know latch on to. Some uh, you know, some comedians that are kind of already out there doing it, and and uh, you know, and you know, getting my getting my face in front of them, you know, so they can see, uh, you know, what I do on stage and whatever, and just kind of take it from there, man. It's a day to day grind, you know. That's the one thing, like I was saying at the top of the conversation, the difference between me at 47 and me at 22 when I first stepped on stage is that, you know, now I understand the process. You know, I understand that nothing happens overnight, you know. So uh, I'm just taking my lumps and and keeping my head down and, uh, you know, enjoying my successes, learning from my failures, and trying to make it all happen, man. That's all. Um, And you don't don't look 47, man. Compared to you, I look like 57. (laughs) I'm drinking more water or something. Uh, I don't know what you're doing over there in yeah. Vegas, but um, yeah. So if anybody goes to Vegas, just look you up. You performing there around town most of the time? Yeah, I do. Um, I have just recently become a a regular up at the LA Comedy Club inside the Strat. So um, I do that pretty regularly. Um, and right now I'm working on you know breaking through at the Laugh Factory out here in Vegas. So. Right. Uh, you know that's a that's a process. You know that you know you gotta you gotta you know keep pushing their buttons until they finally give you a chance. And then when they give you a chance, you gotta make the most of it. So 
that's what I'm doing right now is I'm really just trying to wait for that opportunity to come so I can step in there and do what I need to do. So also, and how can people find you on social media? I'm just going to track where you're at and follow you. Uh, I'm on Facebook at uh, J Devon Comedy, uh, J-A-Y-E-D-E-V-A-N, J-A-Y-E-D-E-V-A-N Comedy. Uh, Instagram at J Devon, the same name, J-A-Y-E-D-E-V-A-N. And um, I uh, will also soon hopefully have my website up and running, uh, which will basically be the same thing, uh, www.jdevon.com. Um, so that's in the works. Hopefully have all that finished and ready to go by the end of the year. So 2020, we can, you know, jump into it and get it going. But, um, yeah, Facebook and Instagram right now, just J-A-Y-E-D-E-V-A-N, J-Devon Comedy on Facebook, and just J-Devon on, uh, on Instagram. And you can keep up with me, find out where I'm going to be, watch the skits and sketches when they come out. Um, you know, I'm always uploading that's, content that's awesome, on there man. and so, stuff like that, yeah. I'll just wrap it up, Matt. But thanks again for joining, joining us. Uh, check out J. Devon's um, comedy special on Amazon Prime called Temper Yourself. Yes, sir. Uh, thanks again. Temper and yourself. I'll see you around on the next road, Jason. Hey, thanks, man, for having me.